Hello, and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy. My guest today is Ginger Williams. She is the founder of Sensible Woo and a digital archivist. I am super excited to dive into this conversation with you, Ginger. So welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. It was total serendipity. We met on Instagram and you were like, hey, come be on my podcast. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So yeah, I mean, do you find out of all the social media platforms and they just seem to be kind of growing and sprouting up everywhere that Instagram tends to be kind of your favorite hangout spot? It is, but it is for a very specific reason too, because what you don't know yet, what you're about to learn about me is before I was doing this business, I had a blog. It was a side hustle, but I was a professional blogger and I was on like every platform. I made money from it. It was awesome. It was during like the organic days when advertising didn't exist yet. And then of course that changed. And when I realized the blog was over and I was going to shut the whole thing down, I just deleted anybody who wouldn't convert to email. I deleted all the accounts and I'm sure that there are (laughs) maybe more elegant ways of doing it, but it was, it was done. It was over. So I had to cut the cord and be done with it. And when I decided to come back on to social media, which was just a few months ago, which is how we found each other on Instagram was because I had clients and followers from back in the day who knew me very well. And I asked them like my super fans and I said, Hey, if you hadn't already known me, where would you ideally have found me so that I could figure out where do I need to be? Because I knew from my blogging days that it's impossible to be on every single platform and show up a hundred percent. And they came back like unanimously. Instagram was their number one. The second one was podcasts, which is awesome because now I'm talking on podcasts. (laughs) They said that they would appreciate like replays of long form content on YouTube. And they of course get email newsletters from me and they were still good with that. And I listened to them. And so I I just doubled down. I said, okay, I'm going to focus on Instagram. I just created a Facebook page recently only because there's a lot of groups and I want to be able to interact with people. But my people told me they, they're like, please don't give me another Facebook group. I'm not going to participate. in." And so I listened to them. Absolutely. I love that. I love that you pulled them number one. I love that you knew when to cut the cord on something that you had done and you just energetically felt, you know what, it's time to put that into the past and springboard to the future. So, so many juicy good nuggets there. I think it's a really valuable lesson for people to follow their instinct do you, right? Carve your Mm -hmm. own path that's going to work for you and don't necessarily feel like, well, this is what everyone else is doing. And in order for me to reach everyone, I need to be on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever, because you're going to fry yourself out. And just exactly to your point, you can't be a hundred percent in all of those places. So Mm. I love it. Yeah, that's amazing. So talk to me a little bit. I know that you have some librarian background, but I, I would love to know what gave you the moxie to become an entrepreneur and carve out a lane for you. Tell us a little bit about your backstory and what brought you here today. 
Yes, yeah, so I am. I am a for real librarian. <laughs> I have a master's in information science from the University of Michigan. And I started in the corporate world. I was the digital archivist at Disney Animation. I worked in entertainment, worked for some marketing firms after that. And then I actually started doing my side hustle. That was when I started getting into business. And pretty soon the questions turned from my topic on blogging was sewing. I sewed clothes and, you know, showed off my handmade wardrobe and people started asking me business questions. Like how, how did you do this? How do you make money? How do you develop content? And I started getting more and more interested in the business side of it and less and less in the content creation side of it, because it was just like this beast that had to be fed all the time. And, and it started to rob the joy out of this activity that I really loved doing. So I started um, doing a little bit of consulting on the side in tech um, because I'm a digital archivist as a librarian. That's my discipline is digital archiving. And then what happened was a library friend of mine from Los Angeles had moved to Texas and she called me up one day and she said, Hey, would you like to move to Austin and help us do this huge construction project and oversee the, the tech upgrades? And I said, yeah, I think I would. So I finally went and did what librarians do. And I worked in a public library and my library director there at the West Bank Library in Austin, Texas was so supportive of me and my business goals. And so she let me bring business programming into the library. And then when it was finally time for me to make the leap, she really, really supported me in that decision because it's a very scary thing to do. And I started out by doing corporate contracts. They, they just sort of came to me. So I knew that the, the divine timing was right. And people that I had known from my entertainment days in LA started emailing me and calling me and saying, Hey, you know, there's been all these company splits and divisions and people have moved from here to there. And, you know, do you, can you help? Or do you know somebody who can? And I was like, actually I can, I can help, you know, and I did some work for some startups in Austin. And then as I was doing all of these um, technical projects, mostly with digital asset management, I realized that I don't like doing the corporate contracts. <laughs> like the projects are largely unfinished and the people who own the projects don't actually own the company. So their investment in it is pretty low. And, and I was answering questions for small business owners on the side because I've been a tarot reader for many, many years. And I attract a lot of business owners and they inevitably ask questions about their business. And half the time, the questions were not something that required intuitive guidance. <laughs> they were very practical questions about technology or about systems or something very logical. And I started to see that there was a way for me to put the two together. And I also saw that with my fellow like female business owners, there's this space in tech that I wasn't finding for them out there, you know, a safe place where you can feel free to look stupid or get over your shame about the back end of your business and actually make it better and have somebody talk to you in plain English or just hear you out and let the emotions flow and let emotion be a part of the technology that runs your business. And that's kind of where Sensible Woo came from. It was this notion that I really needed to provide that for other women because as a woman in tech, I didn't find it in the corporate world. And then when I left out, I still didn't find it anywhere else. And I saw people overspending on help for like everything from websites to automating their systems. And I thought this is stupid. You don't need to be doing that, but nobody's out there showing them how to do it. So I thought, well, why not me? Yeah, I love that. And it is such a typical stumbling block for women in particular, because there's a lot of those self-doubt issues that are coming up yes. and imposter syndrome and all those things that 
we fight, right? Or we see come up. And mm -hmm. the tech stumbling block really holds them back from shining their true brilliance. So I love that you saw this need. I love the fact that you say and that you help teach them how to be their own tech guru. Yes. So talk a little <laughs> bit more about that because so many people feel I can't do it, especially like I tend to work with women 40 plus, but I think it, it's really across mm -hmm. the board in general where they think I'm just not tech savvy or I can't. So talk to me about how you allow them to make the transformation of feeling like I can't to damn, I can be my own tech guru. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that all the time too. And I hear it more from women than I ever hear from men. The words, I'm not technical. And the fact that like, we're very technical. If you have a smartphone, you're technical. If you can like get into Netflix, you're technical. <laughs> In my world, <laughs> you're technical. And I think we're trained. And you work with 40 plus and most of my clients tend to be 40 plus as well. And I feel like we're trained from such a young age to believe that, you know, girls don't do this thing. And of course that's changing now a lot heavy, which is awesome. But um, I look at the younger women today going into the STEM fields and compared to when I was at that stage in life, like I didn't have that kind of impetus or support from society, you know, it wasn't there. And, and so I think it's still kind of ingrained in us that we think we're not technical, but um, what I do is, I make sure that the women I work with know that this is a safe space. So if we're starting with, I'm not technical, or I'm really scared of this thing, or these things keep breaking, and I feel like it's my fault, any of those things, um, or sometimes it manifests in statements like, I have to be in control. I just have to be in control of everything, and that's the end of the story. And those are usually the trigger phrases that tell me that somebody is having a little bit of emotional distress around their systems and their software. And then that's when I can step in and actually lay out a, a plan. And like with my current students, so I have a pilot class running right now because I'm moving from the one-on-ones into the group programs, as you know. And in my pilot class, one of the big questions that has come up is, okay, this is great information. And now I'm hitting the overwhelm part. It happens every single class. Like I'm learning, I'm learning. Oh my God, overwhelm. You can see them like starting to take deep breaths and they're like, Oh boy, Oh boy. And they're thinking <laughs> I have to do it all. I have to do it all right now. And I suffer from the same thing. You know, I'm always trying to do like move like 10 boulders up a mountain at the same time. And in, you know, you can't, you, you have to start with one. And so I always get them to start thinking my students, I get them to start thinking about what is the most pressing in front of you project right now? The thing that is making you money now. And let's start with all the things that are attached to that so that we can make it flow easier, faster, better, make it smoother, free up your space, free up your time, free up your emotions, and then you can start tackling more things. But the thing that is going to help you move the needle faster in your business and your life, like that's where you have to start. And everything else, like it's imperfect. Just let it be imperfect. Let it live there. Let it be there. Please back it up and all its imperfections. And then we'll get, and then we'll get to it. <laughs> oh, that's so great. I mean, just that permission to be imperfect. I think you probably see a lot of deep breaths and sighs. Yes. And I'm a perfectionist to the nth degree, which is probably why I also attract other people who feel that way. And, and, and it's hard. It's hard to get over the, the thought that, okay, these things are 
totally not cataloged exactly the way I want over here. <laughs> and, and, and they may never be, you know, that's one of the hardest things. And as a librarian, I think, I had, because there's so much information that you're dealing with, you just kind of have to get over the idea that it's done. It's never done. And I think that's one of the hardest things. I think sometimes we think that something like technology, it should be kind of robotic. It should be devoid of some kind of emotional attachment, but it's still there. And it's not done. It's not binary, I guess, really ones and zeros. It's not binary. It's something that yeah. is fluid and it's constantly changing and, and you just have to kind of learn to roll with it. 100%. And Ginger, I'm right there with you as far as perfectionism. And however, I kind of joke that I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> and I completely agree that your vibe attracts your tribe. So I'm not surprised that you say that a lot of women that come to you for your help are struggling with perfectionism. And mm-hmm. I want to just say to our listeners, even though this is um, audio, <laughs> I am looking at Ginger with like six months or yeah, six months spread behind mm-hmm. her that is filled with these perfectly linear color coded post-it notes <laughs> that have like her projection of everything from launch to content creation to money making activities. And I think it's awesome. Today's episode is brought to you by Thrive Business Thrive, a step-by-step business building online course. Thrive Business Thrive takes you from a concept to paying clients in just 16 weeks. If you're tired of doing it alone and trying to piece together your business by watching one YouTube tutorial after another and following multiple experts, it's time to plug into a tried and true plan. Thrive Business Thrive focuses on results, increasing your impact, and moreover, establishing the foundation needed for a thriving business. To learn more about Thrive Business Thrive, your blueprint to create a flourishing business, visit caseyrossi.com slash thrive. That's caseyrossi.com slash thrive. I would love it if you could share a tip for people that are maybe not as organized as (laughs) you are. Maybe that is not a part of their zone of genius. What can they do to take one small step to just feel more on top of it and less behind the eight ball. Mm, you know, one thing that I've been working with on, a, on working on with a few people is the whole process of going from analog to digital and back. So I'm a person who lives in between worlds <laughs> and I had earned a nickname bridge builder back in my corporate days. And I find that that still exists even in this business world. And I am somebody who comfortably sits in the middle of analog and digital. I don't see them as adversaries. I feel like they go together. And I'm someone who likes to sort on paper. So my advice to somebody, I mean, you're looking at my calendar. I'm going to be teaching a webinar about it in December, actually. So I can give you the notes for that for the show notes. But I like to tell people, if you self-identify as somebody who doesn't only think in digital, So like if you're somebody who doesn't just go to Asana or just go to Word or Excel and just start typing everything in and that's the way you exist, if that's you, then this won't apply to you. But most of us are people who like to write notes on paper. We eventually accumulate various sheets of paper. Like I've got a whole stack here on my desk right now. When I go to my mastermind meetings, I don't take an iPad. I take my notebook and a pen. And even getting ready for our talk today, you had sent me a bunch of questions and I sat down, I printed it out and I wrote it out. I didn't type it. And there's this um, beautiful space 
in between the paper and the digital that helps us become productive. This is how I feel about it. And, you know, you're looking at colored post-its behind me and a really good example of this is, okay, I know I need to move some really big things in business. I am making a change from doing exclusively one-on-one into kind of a hybrid, but I'm for the first time launching, you know, group classes. And there's a whole bunch of moving pieces in that. And so I need to be able to sort paper on my calendar. And if I can move post-it notes around physically and just physically move them around, they're not permanent. They're not stuck there. (laughs) Something else can happen. My coach and I decided I was trying to have the first class one week too early in January. So I pushed everything down, made it really easy to move everything. But then I could see what else it was impacting. I can see when I'm in and out of my office because I'm going to a conference and I can plan around it. So being able to physically move those papers instead of just being in my digital calendar, which I love, totally love it. It's on my iPhone. It's on my laptop all of it. But having the physical calendar helps me regain some sanity. It helps me do that executive level CEO kind of thinking. And it gets me out of the weeds. It stops me from thinking about all the particulars and all the to do's and starting to break it down in too much of a granular sense. It keeps me at that high level so I can actually figure out, am I trying to move too many boulders at the same time? Or is this going to be productive? And I feel like you know, if you can find a system like the calendar that I use, or even if it's a matter of just, you know, figuring out your own color-coded system, you know, there's the square post-its now, the big um, square yeah. ones with the lines on them, you know, and write out like one idea per square. And this is actually an information science activity when you're doing needs analysis or needs assessment for a client and they're having a big information systems problem. You use post-it notes and it's called an affinity diagram and only one idea goes on a post-it note. You don't cram five of them onto a post-it note, <laughs> just one. <laughs> and side note for the overachievers. I know, I know. <laughs> I would do that. I would be like a bullet list on one post-it note. <laughs> Me too, totally. <laughs> but, you know, if you have a blank wall or even a big piece of butcher paper, if you have to like roll it up and save it to tuck it aside for later, or if you have like a big mirror or big windows or something, but, you know, stick them up there so you can see them and then you can start sorting them. You can figure out, you know, am I going to group like items together? Do I see duplicates? That's happened to me before where I end up finding duplicate activities and I've been thinking about it in two different ways. And I realized that I am giving away a huge amount of bandwidth to one thing twice and things like that can happen. You can also find bottlenecks or, you know, big gaps where like, wow, I'm really missing a big piece of the pie here. Like I really need to account for this thing. And I was thinking I was going to achieve X, Y, Z by here. and like there's a something missing right here. (laughs) Missing. Yeah. And, and I feel like having the physical paper helps sort that there's just something about it. We're, we're humans, we're tactile. And as much as we exist in our digital world, we still need that tactile experience. I completely agree with you. And I think that there's magic when you make that pen to paper connection, your brain connects in a very different way, but I also really love And that's the the word that came to mind was magic when you talked about the space in between digital and analog. I love the fact that you got the nickname Bridge Builder. And it just reminded me because when I first met you, that was one of the things that really came to mind is I love how you integrate the metaphysical world with the digital world. And I would be, it would be cool to kind of just see how that plays in your day-to-day life and also how people can 
tap into their intuition with confidence as a business owner? Yeah, it's so huge. And I love that I'm seeing it more and more out there right now because we are very emotional creatures. Everybody has intuition. In the popular vernacular, some people use words like psychic and stuff. They're not my favorite words, but I believe that everybody has these abilities. And it's just a matter of learning to tune into it. And everybody's flavor is a little bit different, you know, because we're all different, right? And on a day-to-day level, I feel like the very first thing is really energy audit. And so I named my system that I teach my students digital feng shui. And I use that because we're used to being able to see things. Like in our homes, we use traditional feng shui. It helps us balance the energies of the room and of the whole structure and dwelling, the whole property. And in our digital world, it's, it's like a house. You know, our laptops are like its own room. Our mobile devices are its own room. I mean, there's, there, you can break it down even further from that. And being able to take a Bagua map, an energy map used in feng shui on the Western tradition, and I've translated it into your digital house so they each have different sections. And it just helps you park your thoughts and your ideas and your worries and your questions. And it gives it a space to live because otherwise you know, one of the big things that people have told me is it's out of sight, out of mind. Otherwise it's out of sight, out of mind. They close the lid on their laptop and then they're like, I can't contextualize this anymore because it's digital data. It's this thing. It's this concept. It's not a piece of paper. And so I took the Bagua map and I created an energy audit for my clients so that they can very loosely, very imperfectly over the course of a week, just kind of practice being mindful. Like where are my thoughts and my energy and my activities really going for each of these sections of the Bagua? Like, am I so overly bogged down by my brand? I'm just constantly creating content, constantly posting, constantly checking Instagram, constantly, you know, doing something that's going to be a real suck, not just a time suck, but an energy suck and an attention suck and a creativity suck. And because there's other areas that you also have to pay attention to, you have your daily habits, you know, you have your long-term strategy, you have security issues, you know, you have all kinds of things going on. And so that um, map helps them actually do that energy audit, but it really just starts with being mindful. I mean, you don't need, you know, an energy audit like mine in order to be mindful. Being mindful is simply an act of being aware and being willing to be aware of how you're functioning. You know, if you find that you're like constantly mad at your MacBook, like there might be something wrong. (laughs) There's some static in the channel. Absolutely. I I had my house feng shui and I got the whole bagua and it was like, it was unbelievable. I mean, I ended up getting like a a one and a half inch binder filled with these printables from my expert. And it was like, so, so cool. I think that your flow must be just like rushing like a river because you're so creative. You know, I love the fact that you you have these overlaid connections, right? To even have that awareness of taking traditional feng shui and the bagua and overlaying it to digital and being able to like tap in with that lens. It's so cool and it's very original. So I just really want to lift you up for that. It's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it was my pleasure. It was not something that happened overnight. And I think this is one of the things that, you know, we don't give ourselves enough credit for is to 
find that blue ocean space that everyone always talks about takes time. It's not some magical idea that drops out of the sky. It's not like you have a dream one night and wake up. I mean, I'm sure there's people where that happens for them, right? But for the rest of us mere mortals, <laughs> we, we, we go through a process. And I was you know, watching some Instagram stories earlier this morning, just kind of catching up on my feed. And a few people were talking about this notion of process. So it's definitely like in our space right now. And, you know, there are certain steps that you have to go through in order to arrive at something that works for you, that works for your business, works for your clients and so forth. And for me, I mean, the journey started with completely separate worlds that didn't interact at all. And then they slowly started merging together. But you know, for the longest time, I had my corporate career, I had my blogging, which is all about sewing, which is not metaphysical at all. And then I had friends referring me out and I was doing tarot readings over the phone in the evenings. And, you know, just with PayPal, this was before Zoom and I didn't use, I didn't use Skype because you couldn't record it. So there was a flow to things, but there was a time period where everything was completely separate, but I existed, you know, during the day with my intuitive self, kind of like, you know, putting it to the side and saying, okay, I'll wait till I get home to use you because the corporate world was like, no, you have to be a certain way. And eventually the the dissatisfaction in me grew because I wanted to merge all the parts. I didn't want to just be these compartmentalized parts of me. And I feel like that's really what drives so many of us who are doing business now, because we felt that, that feeling, we felt that drive. And you know, the goal is really like, how do I merge these things so that I feel like I'm whole and complete and I'm living deeply in my purpose and showing up like 200% because I can, you know, that's so beautiful. I really resonate what you're talking about because for many years, I really felt like my nine to five was black and white Casey. And then I could come Mm -hmm. alive and, and have like a rich, full life of color, which included spirituality and so many other facets of my plant-based desires and minimalism and all of those things that light me up. And it's really just been a progression of allowing myself the permission to integrate all of those pieces. And that's truly what has attracted my divine right clients because there's an authenticity and a pureness that comes through, which you've already tapped into for yourself and sensible woo. And it really, I love these conversations because They're not planned. It's totally organic. And it's what people need to hear. That is the cool part is like you get permission to be exactly who you want. Integrate all those beautiful facets, the light, the dark side of yourself, everything, everything that makes you you. And that's what people are going to be drawn to. Like that is how you're going to grow your audience. That's how you're going to build a sustainable business. So I love it. I love it. Tell us how we can get a hold of you, how we can learn more about your digital feng shui program. So yeah, you can go to sensiblewoo.com. It's woo, W-O-O. You can also find me on Instagram at sensiblewoo. <laughs> and if you go to my website, sensiblewoo.com, you click on the tab, learn with me, and it has all the information for the class starting in January. I am still doing half day VIP sessions as well through the end of the year. And I'm running an end of year holiday, happy holidays bonus. So anybody who does a VIP session and books it at least before the end of December, they will get to roll that tuition into their their 10 week class. So, and I have a little special thing for your listeners. (laughs) Thank you. I'm doing a little giveaway. So we are recording this the week of Thanksgiving and I'm doing a little black Friday sale for a 
2020 Mercury Retrograde Survival Kit. It's a e monthly email subscription that's going to launch starting in January. And I'm going to do a giveaway for your community. So all they have to do is go to sensiblewoo.com slash KC Rossi. And one person will win. And I have one for you. <laughs> oh, and that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's, that's great. I'll drop the uh, links in the show notes as well. So it's super easy for people to connect with you. I love what you're doing. So keep up the amazing work. And it would be awesome if you could leave us with a little bright light wisdom, something to inspire our listeners to seal up today's episode. Oh my goodness. A little bright light wisdom. Something that's been real big in my space is boundaries. And I feel like sometimes we get scared of that word, but I think it's such a big, beautiful thing right now. And it's fitting for our astrological seasons right now as well. And with the holidays coming up and I just feel like, you know, if we can be fully welcoming of our boundaries that talk to us and are calling to us, we'll be happier and healthier and everyone else around us will be happier and healthier too. So it's okay to say no. It's okay to pay, put limits on your acuity calendar. It's okay to have boundaries on your day and say, you know what, I think I need a little more time off so I can enjoy the season. Like those are all good things. Oh, amen, sister. I love it. It's awesome. And thank you so much for being here, Ginger, and for what you're doing and the light that you're putting into the world. Thanks, Casey. See ya. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on women developing brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.